This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hi, Cardinal fans. I'm Ozzie Smith. Corks one into right down the line. It may go. And you're listening to the Cardinals Insider Podcast. Go crazy, folks. Go crazy. Here's your host, Brent McMillan. Here's a 1-1. And Boyd hits it into right center field. His first ever major league hit. It's a double into the gap in right center. And what a moment for the St. Louis kid. Luke Voigt's first major league hit, a double in the bottom of the fifth back on June 26th at Bush Stadium. Danny Mack with the call on Fox Sports Midwest. And with that, we say welcome to the Cardinals Insider Podcast from press level here at Bush Stadium. I'm Brett McMillan. A little bit of a double feature on today's show. We've got something from the contemporary Cardinals, including... Mr. Luke Voigt, and we're going to take a look at a historic club from the history of this great organization. It'll be a discussion on the 1942 World Champion Cardinals in a little bit, but we're going to start with Luke Voigt today. The Toast of St. Louis, a Wildwood, Missouri native. That's a suburb about 40 minutes west of downtown St. Louis, if you're listening from outside the metropolitan area. Luke's a graduate of Lafayette High School, as are David Fries and Ryan Howard. You heard his first hit just a moment ago, but his big league debut actually came a day earlier, and it was an equally special moment. June 25th, a pinch hit, bottom of the seventh inning, and he's hit by the pitch, but he gets a standing ovation anyway. Here's what it sounded like, courtesy of John Rudy and the Cardinal Radio Network. Now Luke Boyd, a 3-2 pitch coming up with two outs and DeYoung at first base. There he goes, the pitch is inside and hitting. Boy, it was hit by a pitch the first time up in the big leagues. Welcome to the big leagues. An unconventional but chilling debut nonetheless. I got to spend a couple of minutes with Luke in the clubhouse the next day. So here he is, Luke Voigt, the St. Louis kid, on what it's like to be living a dream he doesn't have to wake up from. And it's here on the Cardinals Insider Podcast. You mentioned certainly, I mean, a dream to grow up here and then to do that. Did it feel any different than, than the backyard? Like, you have expectations, but was it similar or different in any way? It's like more of the nerves walking up there, and then once you step in the box, it's baseball again. So, you know, it's, um, I don't know, man. It's kind of like you black out for a little bit just because you're so surreal, you know. I'm used to playing in front of 5,000 people, and all of a sudden it's 43,000 people. But, uh, you know, it's still baseball at the end of the day, and it's just like another at-bat, man, honestly. Two Lafayette kids in that game yesterday. I mean, it's an amazing program. What's it say about the program that you had two guys playing in one big league game from the same high school? I don't know, man. It just says a lot about the area. We've got a lot of talent in St. Louis, and, you know, it was cool. Free sent me a letter over before the game, and and uh, once I got the second, when I made the last out of that inning, we kind of pointed at each other, and it kind of gave me that nod of, you know, like, congratulations, you did it, you know, and I'll take it from here and, you know, do your thing, man. So it's kind of cool. 
after the game last night? Who were the people that were waiting for you? And uh, just describe that for me. Unbelievable. I had uh, probably about 30, 40 family and friends just waiting for me after the game. A lot of hugs, a lot of crying, a lot of, uh, I don't know, hugs and kisses. <laughs> um, it's, it's awesome, man. I don't know. It's speechless when it comes to that kind of crap. You know, you don't, you don't get to do that stuff very often. It, you know, a lot of people don't get to, uh, you know, get to get that feeling. So, Normally getting drilled hurts. Do you even remember, like, feeling the ball hit you last no. night? <laughs> it felt like, yeah, it felt like I got, like, poked, honestly. I, I had so much of drill, and I didn't know what to do. Like I said earlier, just, just smiling, happy to, happy to be here, man, you know? Just like Luke Voigt, Randall Gritchick also got the call from AAA recently. Of course, this is not Randall's first time getting called up from the minor leagues, but hopefully it will be his last. And if the first two games that he put in are any indication of what he's going to be doing down the stretch here for the ball club, I don't think he's going back anytime soon. 4-2, Pittsburgh leads, bottom of the six. Swinging a long, a long one into a left field. If it stays fair, it's a home run. It is fair, and it's now a 4-3 game. Home run for Gritchick, his fifth of the year, leading off the sixth inning. Boy, hit that one into the upper deck. And the 0-1. The fly ball, right center. It may go. It's gone. Sneaks over the wall. And a two-run homer for Randall Gritchick. A home run in each of his first two games back. Four RBI as well, split between June 25th and June 26th. Gritchick, glad to be back. Definitely feels good. Um, you know, feels good to, to have some success and contribute to some W's and just keep building that confidence and, um, you know, continue to just go out there and, you know, play the game and let the abilities take over and let the mind rest. Of course, Gritchick went down to single A at first and then triple A after that, partly just to reestablish timing and work on his swing, but also to help him relax and not overthink things. Going down there, you know, it was more so I felt like for me to kind of get out of my head mentally. I think, um, you know, thinking too much kind of caused you to swing at bad pitches, not swing at good pitches, or, you know, have not your A swing on good pitches. So, um, I think that was kind of what was affecting me, and um, you know, going down there, was, was able to work on the swing a little bit and see what feels comfortable, what, what load, where my hand position, all that stuff kind of feels. But um, you know, at the bottom line, I think you know my abilities just need to be let out. You know, don't don't think about what's coming or who's throwing it or where my hands should be. Just just go up there and you know be confident and see ball hit ball. Swinging early sure seems to be a key for Gritchick. Here's a stat that's kind of interesting hitting better than 300 in any count that has one or fewer strikes this season. Most people not as good at being a two-strike hitter, but Randall really succeeds earlier in counts. Randall and the 2017 Redbirds hoping to string together a hot second half just like the 1942 Cardinals did. We're celebrating the 75th anniversary of that club this year. By wins, it is the best team in Cardinal history. 106 victories. No one else has ever reached that threshold. A couple of teams have gotten 105, but no other team has ever reached 106 again. If you're listening to this, the likelihood is you weren't around to see that season. So here's Jack Buck with a quick synopsis of how 1942 reached 106. In 1942, Musial, the rookie, hit 315. 
in St. Louis was headed to the first of three straight pennants. To many, it was the best Cardinal team ever assembled. Catcher Walker Cooper had a standout season. So did his brother Mort, whose best act was on the mound, where he won 22 games, had 10 shutouts, and was the league's MVP. But even with all their talent, the 42 Cardinals had to go on a scorching drive in September to overtake the Brooklyn Dodgers for the National League pennant. The Cardinals kept their momentum going into the series. Though they were young, they were undaunted by their opponents, Joe McCarthy's Yankees, who had won six pennants in seven years. The series opened in St. Louis, and though the Cardinals were no hit for seven innings in game one, they did manage to come back with a spirited rally. It left them short, but it gave them confidence. St. Louis did come back and win game two, and went to New York refusing to be intimidated. Amazingly, in New York, the Cardinals beat the Yankees twice, in one game achieving the rare feat of shutting them out. And then in the ninth inning of game five, they found a hero in Whitey Karowski. When I picked that bat out of the bat rack, I got three swings, and I'm going to take them. And if you recall in the first game, he struck me out four times, but he, I swung. I didn't, I didn't take no pitchers. I kept swinging. And he just got one. Instead of getting it inside a little bit to me, he got it out over the plate a little bit, and I was fortunate enough to hit it. That's by Ruffing. Here's the pitch. Karowski swings and drives one to deep left field. Going, 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 going. It is gone. In there for a home run for Whitey Karowski. What? I remember about that ball game more so than that was the ninth inning, the bottom of the ninth, when the Yankees had two men on base, first and second, and Walker Cooper picked off uh, Joe Gordon off second base. And that kind of broke their backs and uh, helped us win the ball game. Behind rookie Johnny Beasley, the Cardinals beat the Yankees and brought the world championship to St. Louis. Sadly, we can't bring in an alum to talk about that historic season. But Brian Finch knows just as much about Cardinal history as really anyone that I know. He's the manager of tours and the Cardinal Hall of Fame and Museum here with the St. Louis Cardinals. And he gave me some time the other day to meet in the museum and talk about what made 1942 such a dynamic team. And if you're thinking it, it wasn't that it was a watered-down season in Major League Baseball. The war effort really didn't have much of an effect on the 42 year. Brian will explain that in just a little bit. So here he is, Brian Finch on the 1942 Cardinals on the Cardinals Insider Podcast. So the first thing that we, we want to talk about when we talk about 1942 is what made that championship season different than the other 10 World Series winning teams in club history. Well, I think for most Cardinals fans, they think about 1942 being the rookie season for Stan Musial. He was called up in September of 1941, batted over 400, and he'd never sniffed the minor leagues again. There were other things that were coming into play here for the Cardinals. Billy Southworth had made his return to the major leagues as a manager. He had been a player for the Cardinals in the mid-20s, helping the club to their first world championship in 1926 and had a chance to manage the club uh, just a couple seasons later, but he didn't do so hot. He worked his way back through the minor leagues and in the early 40s was given the shot for a second time to manage the team. And in 41, they were in a heated pennant race with the Brooklyn Dodgers. 
1942, the Dodgers would win 104 games. It would be the best finish in Dodger history. However, the Cardinals would best them by two, winning 106 games for the best finish in Cardinals franchise history. And to this day, it remains the high water mark. The Cardinals had a spectacular roster. Of course, Terry Moore in center field. We talk about this great young player, Stan Musial. And on the other side of the outfield was Enos Slaughter. On the infield, they had one of the greatest defensive shortstops uh, with Marty Marion, uh, you know, manning what that, that position there. And they had the National League MVP uh, as their ace pitcher, Mort Cooper. It was Cooper's brother, Walker Cooper, as his battery mate, playing catcher. So we had this outstanding roster from top to bottom. Eight of the Cardinals players finished in the top 20 for National League MVP voting in 1942. So top to bottom, they were just loaded and they had an outstanding bench as well. Uh, they weren't really a team of power hitters, but they were considered a term of speedsters, even though if you look at their statistics, you're not gonna see a lot of stolen bases. They were a team that knew how to take the extra base, they were fundamentally sound, and they were defensively strong. This was an outstanding team put together by Branch Rickey and led by Billy Southworth from the dugout. You kind of alluded to it and led into it a bit there with Ricky and they were coming off a good decade in the 30s, but what set up 42 and in turn the rest of that monster run in the 40s for the franchise? Well, it really was built from the minor league farm system. Ricky had built this system that had, you know, started in the 1920s. It started coming into its own in the 1930s, but the 40s these were the years where the harvest time came and uh, there were stories that Ricky had as many as 30 or 40 teams that had affiliations with the Cardinals and we were seeing the best of the best of the best making it to St. Louis and of course that was you know headed by Stan Musial the you know the greatest Cardinal of all time who came up through the farm system but um, player after player after player that 1942 club Every player except for two on the Major League roster came up through the farm system and even one of those two came as a result of a trade from players through the farm system. So it was just the ultimate in terms of how talent was acquired and uh, that was the brainchild of Branch Rickey and of course it was funded by owner Sam Braden. You and I have talked about before, and you can kind of give me the, the dime store version because it is a long explanation, but 42 was not affected by the war. That season, most teams did have their, their full rosters. Is that correct? Well, there are a lot of baseball historians and fans that think 1942, it's one of the war years with World War II, and you know the, the level of play in Major League Baseball is really diminished. But that's really not true at this point. World War II and the United States involvement, you know, it just happened just a few months before the beginning of the 1942 baseball season. The United States wasn't attacked by Japan until December 7th, 1941, and the United States efforts weren't really getting going in earnest until, you know, January and February of 1942. There were a certain number of major league players that were getting involved by the time the season started in 1942, but you really don't see the big names departing quite so quickly. 1942, we still see great quality baseball uh, taking place uh, throughout the league, you know, from top to bottom. So this was an outstanding year for the Cardinals, um, and it shouldn't be diminished because of the war going on. You know, in 43 and 44, we do see some of the top players going to serve their country. But in 1942, this was still the highest level of play taking place uh, in the United States. And of course, the Cardinals had an outstanding season. 
They would reel off 106 wins. They would storm into the World Series against the New York Yankees. And while they'd lose game one, that would be the only game they'd lose in the World Series. And they would come back and win four straight to defeat the Yankees four games to one to win that 1942 crown. Tell me something, uh, kind of a fact maybe about that 42 World Series, if you know anything offhand that, that was kind of interesting about that one. Well, for having been the ace of the season, uh, Mort Cooper didn't really have the best World Series performance, but Johnny Beasley, the only other 20-game winner, uh, had two wins in the World Series. So he was really the stalwart pitcher for the team, helped settle him down after the game one loss, and uh, the team really came together and gelled and really didn't give the Yankees a chance to get back in that series after the Yankees had taken game one. Thanks to Brian. Thanks also to Luke Voigt and Randall Grichik for their time for this episode of the show. And thank you for listening. We're always glad to have you here on the CI Podcast. Our former episodes include Ozzie Smith sitting down with Tommy Pham, who also is playing some great baseball along with Randall Grichik and Luke Voigt. We had some Jack Buck stories a couple weeks ago from Tom Ackerman and Randy Carricker, and Steve Zesh, who is the editor-in-chief of Cardinals Game Day Magazine, talked Whitey Ball and the running Redbirds. That was a really fun conversation. It's been great, have enjoyed having you, and we'll talk to you next Tuesday when our newest episode releases. But until then, for Luke Voigt, Randall Grichuk, and Brian Finch, I'm Brett McMillan. This has been the Cardinals Insider Podcast. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.